On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Wonder Woman 2 can hang with Wonder Woman 1, if Rogue can finally cure her disease of mutantdom, and if it's interesting at all to talk about Squirrel Girl. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this special episode. And uh, even though it's a special episode, we're still going to be reviewing every single comic book TV out there. It's still my job to lead us through that. In case you didn't know that, that's what we do. I really want to bring that home. And uh, if you're wondering why it's a special episode, it's because it is officially Boxing Day. And, uh, Hell we, yeah. We, we celebrate that hard over at your pop filter. So um, I'm, I brought over my friends. Of course, I have Mike and Ryan help me out with that. First, let me allow me to introduce Ryan, though. Oh, are me and Mike allowed to talk now? Because um, I did. Please come I, in. I did notice that uh, according to the pop, your pop filter website at yourpopfilter.com, um, the recent episode of movie of the year um, that I desperately wanted to be on, which uh, was all about Spy Kids. I didn't hear my voice a single time, so I'm not yeah. sure if now if this episode I can just talk or not, Cassie. Well, you know, see on this one how we put a mic in front of you, and the other one we found a time when you were super busy and kicked you out of the studio. You even came by, you were like, I moved around my plans, and we were like, don't enter the studio. Okay. That's because we didn't want you on that one. So typically what happens here is that uh, when I seem a little upset, uh, despite how irrational it may be, uh, people will still hug me and hold my hand until I feel better. Instead, you just bring up facts and bullshit and then make me feel even worse. <laughs> how is it facts and bullshit? I, I supply one of those. Bullshit. It's the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bullshit, Mike's also here. How's it going, Mike? That... Fact, Felt like a good I guess. <laughs> I'm here and I'm ready to speed bag the shit out of these topics today because it's Boxing Day. Jab, it's spar, uppercut. Day. Let's jab, yeah. spar, and uppercut. Sparring is my favorite <laughs> type of punching. And you guys, it is uh, it is Boxing Day and I, I thought I'd switch it up a bit. I wanted to do like a tag team, give us the tag team instead of just all solo one-on-one fighting for this Boxing Day. So I brought in my uh, friend Caitlin from Unnatural 20s. What up? I'm here to bring you into this ring and then throw you against the wall and then you're going to fall and guess what? I'm going to do it all with my hands. Oh, I thought you were going to keep rhyming. You're like, throw you against nope. the wall, then you're going to fall. I'm going to do couldn't, it. <laughs> really. Couldn't think of another rhyme. Kick you in the balls because you're so little and small. Dang. Did you wow. know Mike had those bars? I didn't know he had those bars. I didn't know he knew what poetry was. <laughs> oh, so you have read uh, his poetry. <laughs> but I mean, Caitlin came in here, guys. She came in with that energy that I needed for Boxing Day, and she straight up said she's going to throw you against the wall, I think, with her hands. Is She specifically said she's only using hands. So I don't know, like, what's your guys' technique for this Boxing Day? Wait, hold only on. Using feet. <laughs> <laughs> 
but punch her right with my feet. Just so you know, so you guys know how uh, Mike fights. It's a uh, tantrum style fighting where he lays on the ground on his back and then just his feet just fling everywhere. Yeah, so spinning around in circles, <laughs> knocking every toy and foodstuffs on the shelves off near me. I understand how Christmas works. I think it's a bit a bit of an unboxing day, if you will, with opening presents and whatnot. But what is is Boxing Day about? boxing things up or like the the sport boxing like pugilism or if anybody has the real answer i actually don't care it's yeah uh in in my household growing up it's when all the gifts we didn't want that we got the day before we punched them into a big box to take out to the dumpster <laughs> so it's mixing and you and this- your parents uh to this day no longer speak to you mike that that's crazy yeah well yeah because so it's a tradition i made up i would punch the shit they got me into a box and say, do better next year. And they'd be like, well, yep. we have gift receipts. And I'm like, I don't care. And I'd punch that out of their hands. <laughs> <laughs> I won't use this. Uh, Boxing Day for us was every year we did get sock and boppers. And uh, the next day, every year. We had to, every year, we got like sock and boppers. Some well, of their personalized. You can't, they weren't. When you use them as much as these, you see these fists, this power, they wear out. <laughs> they are, pop. Are these like old school Hulk fists? What the fuck are we talking about? You don't have sock and boppers, Ryan? No. Sorry, I was born in the 40s. It's more fun than a pillow fight. It is more fun than a pillow fight. You blow them up, these like balloon things, put them on your hands. Oh, she's rhyming again. (laughs) You can't stop her, oh no. I just know the whole commercial. (laughs) But yeah, they're a delight. I actually, I do know another gift I need to get for you now. I'm going to find sock and boppers. And uh, I'll I'll deliver that to you. You know what? Podcasts were invented to... (laughs) Podcasts were invented to record a four-way tournament with us and Sock and Boppers. Do not, no announcer, no nothing. Just everybody can hear the sounds of the four Ow. of us using Scraping. them. Ow! Somebody starts crying. It Fuck, that's my eye! Video. Was that broken glass? <laughs> but you guys, uh, speaking of things from the past, we're going to see what 84 was like for Wonder Woman in the bullpen. But uh, then for the main event, you know what we're talking about? The finale of Marvel 616, so be sure, tune in for all that. 10% of American households had the ability on Christmas Day to watch Wonder Woman 84 at home. The much-delayed, much-hyped sequel to the only good DCEU movie continues the story of Diana, an Amazonian princess who did nothing of note between World War I and 1984. But now it's time to fight two villains, a TV personality and businessman named Max Lord, and a quiet, nerdy girl who is pushed around until she gets the power of a cat who is not Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Returns. Also, Chris Pine comes back somehow. Taste buds, I ask you this. Was Wonder Woman 84 the Christmas wish on a dream on a dreamstone you needed? <laughs> Who's going first I here? Think. Oh. Okay, so in the beginning, uh, the the when they were robbing a mall, and the well, in the beginning, God created the earth. Yes, uh, and then he made <laughs> Diana out of clay. Uh, but the, the 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 mall beginning, not not the Amazon island, were running around doing a trick and totally betraying the character of the queen from the first movie. But the beginning of the mall, the bad guys literally cackling because they found the real jewels they wanted. I was like, oh, it's not just taking place in 84. It's They're a- actually trying to make like a 1980s style action movie. So I'm down for this kind of cheese. And wouldn't, ha- wouldn't that have been great if they, like, they really attempted, like, you know how we had Mank this year, right? And they, like David yeah. Fincher, mostly unsuccessfully, attempted to make like a 1940s movie. They're going to make a 1980s movie. Right. And then they threw that out the window 
Uh, and when instead of 80s cheese, what if it was uh, convoluted and boring? Yeah, they they really just didn't know what they were doing with this one. I I, I mean, like this this is sort of a hacky thing to say, but I like I can't believe how in this day and age we have a movie that still feels like with this amount of budget and this amount of stakes, like not the stakes in the movie, but the stakes around the movie, like Wonder Woman. We need you to continue to save DCEU. We need you to continue to like keep us propped up with Marvel. Like you are our only hope. How much of a too many cooks in the kitchen written by committee, every idea mm. thrown in. We will never, ever cut a single idea out of this movie. We'll keep them all. <laughs> I, I was wondering this. Is, is it that there's too many people doing it or does Patty Jenkins maybe suck? Like, <laughs> Is it the opposite that the first one was the best they've ever done and they're like, here's even more freedom. And then she proved no, take it away. I don't know because she has a Wonder Woman 3 and an Amazon's movie. I don't want to see those now. And a Star Wars movie, Rogue Squadron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, not going to be the savior of that either. I bet she's going to be like, well, this person betrayed this person, and suddenly everybody on Earth is beating the shit out of each other and hunting down this one little kid for some reason. What the fuck happened in this movie? It feels... Uh, Max Lord's son makes no sense, and it really felt like zombified chaos got their wish people were going to rip him apart by the end of the movie. Uh it's it felt so 90s superhero where it's it, it, even though there's two bad only two bad guys it feels like there's too many it doesn't really make sense and then it straight up lifted Batman Forever's Riddler's plan whether it's wishes or reading your thoughts they're doing the same thing of standing in front of a TV and sucking whatever it is they need out of the entire populace Caitlin also, typically you and I have the exact opposite opinions on stuff <laughs> Did you yes. did you like this movie Um I couldn't turn my brain off hard enough for this to be a good movie, unfortunately. <laughs> I feel like you have to be like completely like, this is a movie, like I am not going to think at all about if this is possible or not, and then you might enjoy it, because I mean, there's some cool action scenes and stuff, but there's just too many like holes where it's like, at the end, when everyone agreed to give up their one like yeah, desire, the it's like we can't even get people to fucking wear masks, and you say that they're going <laughs> to yeah. give up their biggest desire. Fuck that! Yeah, one guy who wished he never had to cut his toenails again would refuse to <laughs> give that up, and then the world would end. But part of the reason why the fast movies work, particularly Fast Five and After, is because of that thing that you're saying, Caitlin. And this movie also refused to do that. Like there was. Like, Fast Five, or the Fast series after Fast Five will give you something fucking insane every 12 right. minutes or so. This movie was like, no, 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 we'll, we're going to be dumb as shit, but then never give them anything exciting to watch. And and the insanity is, like, well choreographed and your jaw dropped, not only because the characters are doing the movie, but that the filmmakers figured out how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Where And even our low-budget TV shows where there's fighting, it's brutal and real and you can feel the weight of punches. And this is fucking noodle McNoodle sauce. Yeah. No, none of the fight scenes felt cool <laughs> at all. And you have this big budget. Why not get a good fight choreographer? That's mm-hmm. what, yeah. There was no, like, fight scenes were bad. The comedy landed super flat. Ooh, yeah. They took, like, everything, like... They were like Wonder Woman. The first Wonder Woman saved DCU, and they were everybody was like, "I love how badass she was. I love like the chemistry between the two. And they're like, "Cool, let's wreck all of that in this." And it's like they did bring back Chris Pine, but I don't understand why they brought him back in a different body. I don't yeah. know what's happening with the Chris Pine story. All right, let's hit that one hard because this is, I think, most indicative of how uh, a screenwriter or okay. So the first one was written by Alan Heinberg, an incredible writer who uh, has written, I think, for uh, a seminal primetime Fox soap opera called The O.C. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. <laughs> that, the first one. The second one is written by Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns. Uh, uh-huh. The first one being the 
director of the two movies, who Mike has said is terrible because she's a woman. And Jeff Johns <laughs> is a comic book writer who sort of tried to take over DC TV. Uh, yeah, he wants to be Kevin Feige. Right. Uh, he wants to like be the, the puppet master of the entire thing. All of that charm is gone. The two things that stand out to me from the first one is uh, this is called No Man's Zone, but I am not a man. And mm-hmm. her experiencing ice cream, right? Like the, like the mm-hmm. out of time, look how crazy, look how funny we are together. You felt them trying to get that back in this movie, but oh, to no avail. To literally yeah, but- no avail. Weird pacing, like the I th- I do think the best part of the movie is her and him just trying on clothes. Yes, and, that was a good part. <laughs> but it, even every beat, every outfit beat was a little too long. So mm-hmm. even the best yeah. part was not was not correct. Is this it an even, editor's fault? Yeah, it, it did feel like that. And even her, like Kristen Wiig is great. She can deliver normal people lines and make you like at least chuckle at them. And that wasn't built up enough. Like it, it, for how long this movie is, how little time people got was insane. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where did the I, time go then, guys? Do you think that if they would cut it down just a bit, it would be a better movie? Because I at watching it and then finishing it is like that's two and a half fucking hours of my life. That was way too long. If you cut it down to maybe an hour, this might have been a good film. Do you agree well, with that or not? Nah? Oh, uh, if this was an hour of just nonstop yeah. craziness, that would have been fucking. I wouldn't have understood it, yeah. but I would have loved not <laughs> understanding it. Uh, <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> but like to that point, Mike, do you think that maybe Kristen Wiig is a really good actress and Gal Gadot is a really bad one? Um, if we're going to do spoilers here, her delivering her final speech of just talking for 12 minutes about oh, what, what the world should do. Um, but And then uh, Mandalorian's like, uh, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, I'm not talking to you. But she totally was talking to him. And it was it was a long time. Is she bad at her job? Monologue. Yeah, I, I don't think I get what like, what I did enjoy, and I think they did well in the first movie. And this one is how the world reacts to Gal Gadot in or out of Wonder Woman costume is realistic. <laughs> like she does seem like a demigod, but no, I don't think any movie, especially an action movie, should end with a twelve minute monologue, mm-hmm. and probably not delivered by her. I don't mm-hmm. know if she can really hold uh, the attention and the emotion of like a Shakespearean level. <laughs> you are the thing that could win us all. If it's a courtroom drama where Morgan Freeman is the lawyer, then you could do this. Then this yes. this would be okay. I saw the direct correlation from this ending of her giving that speech and thinking like she could inspire everybody to give up their wishes to her thinking that her getting all of her celebrity friends to sing a song. Would oh. Yeah, absolutely. COVID. Yeah, I saw. I yeah. saw why she got there after watching this. But, I was like, this makes sense. <laughs> that was the first draft. Is this ends with her? And everybody else in the movie singing Imagine, kind of like Magnolia, everybody singing. The whole movie, I just kept in my head, I just kept going, Imagine, there's no sequel. (laughs) (laughs) We do have, I do want to talk about, so we talked a little bit, Kristen Wiig did great, and then... Uh, how do we feel? I feel like Pedro Pascal, aka the Mandalorian, like acted his ass off in this. He, he, in the beginning, I looked him up, and I've heard he based his performance on Nick Cage, and I saw that when he was just being smarmy TV guy, especially when he did a mm. thumbs up an inch from the guy's face. That's my new yeah. hello from now on. <laughs> uh, but I guess he, like, it was a little much, and the movie never made the connection that once he became the wish stone, uh, that it was an addiction. Like, I saw a definitely through line, but it wasn't textual or subtextual. It was just dumb. Uh, Like, if I make them wish for more wishes, my nose will bleed less or more, or now I'm healthy or not. Uh, And so he was, from scene to scene, he was good or not because there was no actual what his character was supposed to be growing or changing. I'm not going to go as... 
I'm not going to go as far as Mike did, where uh, when he said that this movie is so bad that women shouldn't be allowed to direct uh, movies anymore. <laughs> Say that I'm I'm so bummed because I want there to be more. I do think women deserve more bad movies, but and I hope they keep doing. It. I just don't like Patty <laughs> Jenkins. Thank you so much. She was saying it, Mike. But uh, Kristen Wiig and Gal Gadot and Pascal. What's the name? Pedro. Pedro. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. They all they all gave. Uh, good performances in wildly different movies, you know, and I do yes. think that's part of the director's job is to be like, here's the actual tone we're going for, guys, and so we all have to hit this instead of ah, do what you want. Yeah, it was like they had that, and then there was like I feel like a lot of it's on the writing too, because so like Kristen Wiig, her villain like turning point where we see her like actually like start to turn is when she's beating up that creepy dude like she almost goes to murder him yeah and like mm-hmm. as a woman i was like fuck it go for it hell like, yeah for me, i was not like that fu- that moment still still a good person she was not yeah, you evil. don't no <laughs> you don't well, yeah right you don't want the villain's turn to make everybody more on her side than they have been the whole movie <laughs> like it should be us being like oh no that's too far is it a little killmongery yeah, yeah but killmonger did like choked an old lady who didn't uh, <laughs> who try was to hitting on to it her too hard. earlier in the movie. <laughs> like, Oh, God. It wasn't, like, uh, the best part to me was that opening scene, just because it had, like, the most action. Any action, obviously, because I get to turn my brain off the most, I think was the most <laughs> enjoyable part for me for this movie. Well, well plus, the, honestly, like, you don't know that the movie's going to fall apart so much in that right. first scene. Yeah, you, know? you have like, hope at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> you have hope, and, like, it was all choreographed nicely, and it was cool. I love the way that they would, like, send up smoke flares to let the scoreboard know who's yes. in the lead. Like, that that was ingenious. Um, mm-hmm. But then What if you mess up, though? What if you're blue and you hit yellow? <laughs> like, I know. Because <laughs> when, when, uh, when Robin Wright is like, you cheated, I was like, did she? The, what are the rules here? Yeah, I got to say in that moment, guys, Robin Wright was Robin wrong. <laughs> but also it and th- this is such a minor c- complaint but and there's mostly big complaints but having just watched the first one like a couple nights before this one just to get caught up just like complete different characterization the mom in the first one like the queen of the amazons the whole time is like no i know you're surrounded by baddest powerful women you better not be one ever and this one she's like look at my little girl go and take on adult warriors i'm yeah. so proud of her yeah it was it was completely disconnected uh, we are almost out of time. The one thing that I do want to ask you guys before we leave, and you can bring up any final points, I just want to know why did Chris Pine kick a tank? Why um, <laughs> why do we have that moment? He kick like a tank. Adapted- kick a tank? He, he like straight up like like curb stomp this tank. Like I'm gonna take down this tank with my heel of my foot. Chris, did you catch I remember that? Her doing that? I don't oh no, he did maybe that. he saw her do it and he tried it. Did he stub his foot? <laughs> <laughs> no, he like kicked the gun. Like he, there was so many moments where like Chris Pine. Who, oh, like, is he jumped new... when he was on top of the tank. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but that's because the guy was holding the gun. Yeah, he still he kicked a tank, bro. <laughs> the way I, he adapted to things drew me drove me crazy in this. Yeah, I do really appreciate Chris Pine and Steve Trevor's Trevor. um, ability to just know. That Diana will always be better than me yeah. at certain things. And uh, the best part, th- I think this movie tried to do some things that were satirical, but it didn't land. Like, bad guys always have the ability to uh, take over every TV. In every mm-hmm. movie, they can always take over every TV. Every and give computer, their even when no computer had yeah. that. And so this, w- this movie tried to explain it, but instead of it being funny or satirical, it was just like, oh, cool, more exposition. Thanks, movie. Um, but... Uh, the cut back and forth between Diana and Barbara beating the shit out of each other with superpowers and then mm-hmm. cutting back to uh, 
Max Lord and Steve just like having no superpowers or strength at all, just like sort of slapping each Slap other, going like, <laughs> and just like uh, like trading terrible insults, like "Oh, you think you're tough?" Nah, okay, that was I like that part. When they're handcuffed together, I did enjoy that. Just two hot men handcuffed together, having to duke it out with little slappies. It's a great part of the movie. It's how uh, every boxing match should be. Handcuff them together and let them go to town. On Boxing Day! But I do want to point out... Uh, one last thing is that I think this uh, sort of shows the, the issue with DC versus Marvel is that you pay for the Spider-Man, but you stay for the Peter Parker. And this was mm-hmm. so much Diana, but they don't fucking care. Like... They, they don't have it. Well, yeah, they, they haven't really defined who Diana is, right? Yeah, like... Uh, and Steve, I love Steve that he's like, it's 80 years later and you've only been with me. <sighs> <laughs> like, how's that your defining thing is 60 years of loneliness. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, they're, uh, DC has the thing of the when they're out of the costume, they're boring as fuck. And Wonder Woman, the first one, I don't think did that, but 84 yeah. definitely did that. 100%. She didn't do anything. Uh, it's not a great movie, but, uh, you know, it's out there to stream if you still want to do it. That's all the time we have to talk about it, though. Uh, coming up next, we're talking about Marvel 616. In the season finale of Marvel 616, Alison Brie directs the closest thing to a typical documentary we got this season, as she films a Florida high school drama class putting on plays based on Marvel characters. The one hour takes us from the first day of class for these inexperienced actors all the way to opening night. Taste buds, I ask you this. Miss Marvel is a great character and deserves multiple plays based on her, but what the fuck is a squirrel girl? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Cassie. (laughs) Should I take this one? Yeah, Ryan. If you want it, Ryan. Ryan and I can tag team it. (laughs) And uh, Mike, if you can actually start us off, what the fuck is a squirrel girl? Oh. (laughs) Uh, Doreen Gray? Is that? No, I don't know her last name. Mm. Doreen. well, I think it's important. It's not just like that theater in general can open up kids and make them like try new things and have bonds and friendship. Uh, Squirrel Girl, I think, is awesome because the gal who ends up playing her talks about it, uh, how she says she's not skinny and she can be a superhero. I'm not skinny and I can be whatever I want to be. Like, that was a pretty powerful moment. Well, I know we're supposed to just dog and Caitlin right now, but like these kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was going to say, Mike, at least a minute of making fun of Caitlin before we get to the hardcore stuff. <laughs> I just I, I was surprised like because a lot of it was cheesy but like how touching a, a lot of this episode was and that moment and she's like I think the world's mentality is changing and how great that is it's so weird for a teenager to just be this articulate and thoughtful mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah so that was awesome it was very cool we'll get back to that touching thing Ryan do you want to dunk on Caitlin at all yeah. um I honestly like as a, a Marvel fanatic I have no idea how Doreen got her powers. Like I, I realize I know nothing about Squirrel Girl, and there's no one here to tell us. No I one. Wish. I no wish, one man. here. Um, if you wanted to know, uh, it's not. Nah. It's not explained nah. very well, anyways. But <laughs> so then, no. So but Caitlin, you bitten by a rabbit squirrel, I assume. No, her mom's also part squirrel. Um, <laughs> oh, so bestiality in her ancestry. Uh, she she always explains that she's part squirrel, part girl, and that her mom's also a squirrel. And then people are like, "Yeah, so how'd you get it?" And then she never explains it. So it's really never explained in any of the comics that I've read. In the Perfect. movie The Last Boy Scout, in the very beginning, uh, drunk asshole uh, detective Bruce Willis wakes up in a car. He's asleep in the backseat of a car. Uh, a bunch of kids come over and throw a dead, petrified squirrel in his lap. He wakes up, sees the squirrel. And throws it out the window, and then somebody calls him and asks him, what 
what were you doing last night? And then his response is, I think I fucked a squirrel to death. <laughs> yeah. So Bruce Willis is Squirrel Girl's dad. Oh, is, thi- <laughs> is this the origin of Squirrel Girl? <laughs> we don't get a lot from her dad, so, you know, it could be. <laughs> uh, but Caitlin, as our resident Squirrel Girl uh, fanatic, how did, were you excited to see like a high school play? Were you surprised that like kids could do? Marvel oh man place. it was hard to focus on the squirrel girl aspect when they were it was just so painful to watch those high school high schoolers like be high schoolers um <laughs> like it was high school theater kids and it was great when they did have those touching moments when they were like learning from these like high school characters like all these different things but man it was painful to watch sometimes but i did enjoy it <laughs> is that you were you in drama in high school? I was not in drama in high school. Were either you, Mike or Ryan? I uh, I was drama adjacent for sure, and <laughs> I shared a hallway with the drama kids. Sure. I mean, I stirred up a lot of drama amongst my friends. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but drama kids definitely have this uh, particular sensibility about them, and these kids had it. Even the new kids, they started off very like uh, shy and introverted, and then within weeks, they were like, ah, I'm a drama kid, and then they would just uh, gallop from class to class. <laughs> yeah. The- well, it, it, it's a shield. You got an eight mile. As everybody calls you weird because you're in drama, so you say, I'm going to be so fucking weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where it really showed. So there was two plays going on. There was Miss Marvel, which was a very like first introduction into acting class, and then like acting two or whatever was doing Squirrel Girl. And the Squirrel Girl had uh, the kid Joey, and Joey was the summer Modoc. like who played. Yeah, he got yeah. the role for Modoc, and uh, he summed up theater kids for me 100. percent um, right how so just like you could tell he does like he's just kind of always screaming over the top like the theater kids at my school would always go to in and out and perform their monologues on the table at in and out <laughs> and i w- i could see him doing that okay so but just he- just so everybody knows uh cassie was part of the in and out gang who would just come to uh, in and out customers and beat the shit out of them just for going there <laughs> and drama kids really got it from cassie like the- oh man the amount of scars on Cassie's knuckles from Drama Kids braces. It's it's insane to look at. <laughs> but- oh yeah, that one on my middle finger, that's when that kid was singing Shaboopy. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that sums it up the, for me the most as a like not totally a drama kid in high school, but actually became one outside of high school. I waited till it was cool. Um and basically was in high school was uh Bree, who played Kamala. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. she's getting interviewed and just before opening night and she's crying like not on the verge yeah. of tears she like she is stammering and she's saying to the camera I'm so nervous and the person asks her why and she's like I don't know it's just <laughs> it's just a fucking mental breakdown that you put all of these kids through yeah and Joey has that too uh, the, the Modoc kid where he's like mm-hmm. has to monologue and he messes up like one word and he's just like quiet and this is like dress rehearsal and everybody's like. You could just finish. There's so many words that are like that word. So you could just, and he's just like, no. I know. You get to see like it fully. There's so many breakdowns from these kids and you just see like all the pressure. Like it it took you back to high school. It was one of the like, Mike, you were talking about the precious moments. And it is like with Brie, Brie and her one friend. I forgot her name. um, Her one friend who was like super shy and like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, and they're like the moments where they go to her house and they're just like practicing lines really took me back to like high school and shit. Uh, not that I was a drama kid, but it is you just see their uh, their moments of like bonding and stuff and like how 
beneficial like those friends were back for like back in the day. It's and very it important for Cassie to point out she was not a drama. Yeah, not in she's drama. gonna remind um, everybody you weren't. Just drama, so you know, you I I beat them up at In and Out, and uh, but it's still it's still it still made me cry a little bit. Just you'd get very nervous in shop class, I'd assume, before you tune up that engine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bree's friend in the beginning of Shine, she's like, "Oh, Bree's so good because she like makes me confident and uh, get over my anxiety." And then Bree has that breakdown towards the end. I was wondering, I was like, "Is she like, wait, this is who? Now I'm gonna no. spin out because she's spinning out and she was my rock." Yeah. But like that's that's why I think this episode works so well. Like it definitely pulled the strings, right? And it definitely yeah. did all of the moments that these hour ep- long episodes I've done of like, God damn it. Marvel is the best and will save the world. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the setting of the stakes. And for these kids, this is the highest stakes that they have ever lived through. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not about what it means to your life. It's about what it means to their life. And they, I thought it did a good job of being like, now I'm nervous. My palms are sweaty. Mom's spaghetti. Uh, <laughs> It, this, it was crazy to get build up to that final, like, here we go. It's opening night. Do you guys wish you could have seen more of each play? No. No. They, or was it the perfect no. amount? They don't look like they were good plays in general, but I did like what they did with the characters, like how you could see the growth of the, the actual people rather than the characters in their plays. Um, the Kamala Khan Brie, like, it it did. It made me so nervous watching that, like, trying to see what she was going to do on stage because she was crying literally 30 minutes before she was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, is well, she going to fall? Is she going to do it? Fuck up number one is you're not talking to your parents right before you go on. You're in the back doing your breathing exercises, lemon lion, lemon lion, <laughs> vocal warm-ups. Like, come on. Be professional, kid. But I do appreciate, though, actually, that uh, instead of the parents – particularly with Brie, but in general, instead of saying, you're going to do great, you're going to be perfect, the mom actually says, if you fuck up, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like, no one gives a shit. And if somebody gives a shit, uh, they won't give a shit in like three days. Like, none of this matters, bro. <laughs> I liked when uh, the gal playing Doreen told her mom to, that she got squirrel girl and her mom's like, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she basically was like, I'm happy, you're happy. <laughs> That's the... That's the crazy thing about these plays is that uh, I watched it with my wife, who is a high school teacher. I know. It's gross. Um, but just talking about how much more important these plays would be, like, mean to these kids as opposed to, like, mm-hmm. Death of a Salesman or Romeo and sure. Juliet. Right? Mom, like, I got Willie Loman. That's all like, I've ever wanted. When you, tell, when you tell your mom that you got Juliet, she's like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to tell your grandparents. When you get Doreen the Squirrel Girl, they don't know what to, they don't know what so to do you- with that information. Did you fail? (laughs) (laughs) I want to see, like, I I get that that we're doing two plays, so there's not a lot of time, and I don't know if the pacing would be good to really dig into each of the kids, but there's one kid who is like, and I'm the guy who makes a tree, and that's it. And then we move on. I was like, wait, why would you have the most depressing (laughs) thing of the entire season and then move on? Oh, I don't care about the pacing. We're bringing this to a halt to talk about my hero, the hero of this episode, Carl, who was in charge of making a tree. Because the first time we see Carl, he's laying on a ground on his backpack, and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I need to make a tree. 
and I need to have power tools, and I can't have power tools here, so I do nothing in this class. And I was like, fuck yeah, Carl. <laughs> Carl yeah, felt I like I would have loved school. that class in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I saw that kid in high school all the time, and I was like, I know Carl. Carl is my friend. <laughs> it's this not just that you floor. know him, Caitlin. You are. Like, watching That's this. That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, watching this, all four of us, you know, like Caitlin feels like that she's Maddie, who is Squirrel Girl, and uh, Mike feels like that he's Bree, Kamala, and uh, Cassie's clearly the Joey because she's the Modoc of the show. Yeah. And I feel like I'm Jamal, but we're all fucking Carl. All four of us are Carl <laughs> painting that tree. You guys, I wanted such a big reveal for his tree. <laughs> yeah. They showed it like it was the I day know. before and he it was still in pieces. And I was like, dude, you've had nine weeks and that tree's still in pieces. I can't wait to see this. And then well, he told his dad the night before that he needed <laughs> yeah. to make him a tree. <laughs> dad, I need a tree. <laughs> it and it should have like, cut to the, like the, the major paper of the area. Front page. <laughs> Plays garbage. Tree amazing. <laughs> also, can't you make Written a tree out of like mom. cardboard or like other materials other than wood? Like, I feel like you don't need yeah. a wooden tree. But. Not for set design, absolutely not. <laughs> but um, so I mean, Carl's amazing. He's worth. It's worth the watch just for that. But I do want to know why do you guys think they chose to like focus in? Why'd they make this the finale episode? Do you think? Well, I mean. Japanese Spider-Man should have been the finale. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no coming back from that. But uh, I do think that this was the best made. I think it was the most focused. I think it was the most traditional as far as documentaries go. Right. Uh, I think it was the most. They're all all episodes were extremely manipulative. But this mm. is the sort of manipulative that we're used to and we like. I uh, I I I thought this was a really well done hour and makes the most sense to be the ending. Yeah, I think it's when we find out 616 Season 2 comes out in eight months, we're going to not think about Paul Shear's episode. We're going right. to think about the first episode and the last episode and be like, yeah, I really liked that, so I'll probably watch more. Like, <laughs> it, it was all a plan. And I think Allison Bree did a really good job mm-hmm. at basically filming the kids she was. Like, if you read her stories and interviews, she was such a fucking dork oh, in yeah. high school and college. Do you know what she did? It's the uh, classic documentary, like, borderline Friday Night Lights thing, where in between segments, you show, like, um, the fields of grass with, like, uh-huh. that uh, that music. and then, like, Explosions in the sky. Explosions in the sky. And then... The, <laughs> There's the the shot of the sign of the like the sign that says the school's name in the front, you know, and like it's a perfect sundown. Like all of that stuff, she nailed. A- at some point, she's going to be able to become like a more artistic documentary documentarian, I guess. But at this point, she nailed what a documentary is supposed to look like. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully they focus in more, do more like this episode for the next season. But we'll see. Um, do you guys have any closing remarks? Caitlin, do you want to rank the Squirrel Girl costume? We did bring you on for Squirrel Girl. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I do got to talk about the Squirrel Girl costume because as someone who has tried to make a fucking jacket and all the kind of stuff that Squirrel Girl is, that jacket was so good on that Squirrel Girl. (laughs) The costume department killed it. Uh, The ears could do have some work, but that jacket was so very good. (laughs) Um, And how was the tail? The tail was very good. I did like the tail. It stayed up very well. I need to take some notes on how they did that as well. But um, yeah, that's... I really like that they chose Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel because they are like high schooler, like going into college students. And so it's something that these high schoolers could relate to. And they fucking rock. They're just cool. <laughs> they are. They are very cool. Uh, Marvel 616 is on Disney Plus. You can stream it whenever we're done with it, though. So catch up to us. Coming up next, we are going to go to our pull list. 
We are back for our pool list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. The first and only other show we watched this week is Pennyworth. On the second episode of season two of Pennyworth, Average plan to run to the U.S. is put on hold when people kidnap his mom. But his plan to free her is foiled by the cops. Meanwhile, Bet and Katie are on the run. Taste buds ask you this. Do the factions of Alfred and his Merc friends, the Raven Union, Aleister Crowley, Bet on the run, the weak United States who's pro-fascism, the possibly dirty cops, and the Legion add nuance to the show, or is it needlessly complicated attempt at Shades of Grey? Oh, such good question, Mike. And I know that when you ask questions like that, you just want me to say yes to everything. But um, I feel like that we're definitely in this whole sort of like British drama where it feels like nothing happens, even though everything is happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort it's, of in it's for the it. crown for Batman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the cowl. That's what it should should have been called, the cowl. I. I really enjoy trying to figure out how pro-bet we're supposed to be at this point. Mm-hmm. And then Aleister Crowley, who I know is in the first season, but like he's playing his own side game. Like, There's no good or bad here. I guess the bad is the fascists who have metal noses. You just know they're bad. Right. But everybody else is like, I don't know. Well, there, there's a scene with uh, Metal Nose, uh, or as I call him, the guy who uh, sang the Humpty Dance, um, <laughs> and all of, uh, all of his cronies talking about it. And they're just like, is this bad enough? Is this too bad? How bad? Like, we're villains, but is this too villainous? So right. we know that that's where they are. Yeah, his, his like, aunt, who now is his number two in Nazi England, uh, was just like, I mean, I know we're taking over the country, but how dare you do this poison thing? And he's like, no, you're right. You're right. Like, it was, it was really, he got a real talking to from a school marm. And in typical British fashion, it's like, the gas, we're, we're going to use the gas, but is the gas proper enough? Is it... <laughs> appropriate amount of uh destroying when somebody's life and face they get poisoned to the gas could it uncurl their pinkies oh no so they drink their death you tea will properly. die with your fucking pinky uncurled <laughs> and so the one thing i was confused is why alfred and his friends are running to america and not telling anybody else they know is it just because they they're in the middle of a civil war or? well i think that uh one of alfred's friends brings it up which is they are straight up bailing and Alfred's not telling anybody because he, even his fiance he he thinks it's uh, you know for their own good and they're mercenaries and they don't give a shit but he's worried about looking weak right but then don't run away at least bring your mom and your fiance I don't but, think it's bad to run away from civil war if you bring the people you love okay well he he can't bring his mom uh, his mom is really hung up on the fact that uh, her son murdered her husband his dad yeah. Um, sure. Despite being an evil fascist, uh, she's still hung up on it. And it made me think, Mike, do you think that uh, our last job, our remaining last job in life, is to keep our moms from becoming hoarders? Because I feel like that both of our moms (laughs) are right. They're right at the precipice. And I think it's up to us to make sure that, like, uh, I don't know. I feel like this mail could get thrown away. I don't know if you need to keep this broken chair. Yeah, my mom won't let me throw away my stuff from childhood. That's that's where she's at. Like... (laughs) What's sad is uh, that your mom doesn't want to throw anything away but you. Yeah. She just wants the memories. She right. goes, why couldn't you have died? <laughs> uh, Thomas Wayne, I want to talk about because his mission from the U.S. government is to get people more pro-nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. And instead of having like a great PSYOPs or PR campaign, it's to dig up dirt on anybody who's anti-nuclear weapons. Right. It feels too true to life. That's not what I'm here for, Pennyworth. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Pennyworth, settle down a little bit. Because instead of doing the right thing, do the obvious wrong thing, and then make people think you're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. That's 
That's the American way. And that's when he pulls in Aleister Crowley, who in real life was a Satanist and seems to be here and maybe has magical power. And Aleister Crowley, I can't Yeah, I wanted to get into this with you because I don't know what your relationship is with this real life person. I worship him. Okay. And he's what I thought. Him. <laughs> uh, but th- this version of him, I like that like... Well, wait, hold the, on. We, we don't know who he is. Give us a quick description before you move on. Uh, as far as I know, Aster Crowley was like a muckety muck in British society, but did like openly worship the devil. And I think is the most well-known Satan worshiper, but I actually don't know that much more about him. Was he a wizard? Was he like England's Rasputin? I don't really know. Well, other than Satan, I think that Satan was the number one Satan worshiper. That guy has got a bit of an <laughs> he ego. Just looked in the mirror, kissed yeah. his biceps. Hello, baby. Uh, but no, and, and yeah, like he was also into dark magic. And then I also think... Close-up magic. I think he had a card trick or two that he was <laughs> yeah, good at. Yeah, oh, for sure. Is that his real thumb or is it a rubber thumb coming up and that's where the scarf went? Uh, but he tells uh, Thomas Wayne that he will dig up the dirt if he smooches him in public. Uh-huh. And I was like, I like this guy's stuff. This is interesting. Like, in t- He gives the weakest cheek kiss. Yeah. But also, I can't believe that it's like, it's sort of how me and Mike hang out at a bar. Like, Mike, you're like, uh, can you bring up a new topic, please, for conversation? And I'm like, I will for a kiss. And then you have to kiss me. <laughs> but he, he, he says this line. He's like, Satan doesn't judge. He wants every part of you, even the squalid need for advancement that brought you here. That's a good burn for somebody who's trying to pay you to do a job. <laughs> you asked a question earlier, but I'm not sure if you answered it. Where are you with Bet? I find her interesting to watch, but she's still a Nazi. Like right. Just, she's still trying to get in touch with You're so Ed judgmental. <laughs> I'm uh, mm, Go ahead, Ryan. She's trying to cut us off, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> Don't let her. Off, but if you're going to make a keep point. Keep talking. Don't breathe. <laughs> Mike, let's just keep smooching each other until she can't cut us off. <laughs> I'm definitely cutting you off. Now it's time. Uh, do you guys have moments of the week? And I'll start with you, Mike. It's uh, why I do like Bet as a, a fascinating character is uh, the person who she doesn't like Katie, the student who she keeps saying, just admit you're part of the resistance. And Katie's like, I was in class and you guys took me. Uh, Katie's cold. And so she just bullies a guy at the bus station to give Katie her jacket. His jacket. But, but Katie takes it and says, thank you. Yeah. That's important. Uh, they're a pretty complicated, nuanced pair. And I'm, I'm down to keep watching the two of them. Also, Katie keeps saying that she's not a terrorist. She's an artist. And then bet, is like, okay, then draw. And she draws like one line. And she's like, I can't fucking do this. And then throws all of her equipment at bed. <laughs> you could try to draw for a little longer. That sounds like that would be my moment of the week. But what do you have, Ryan? I have, uh, look, the relationship is complicated. I'm not sure uh, who who is the bet and who is the Katie and me and Mike's relationship. But uh, I got to say that I'm starting to trust bet. Like Mike should start to trust me. And I think the reason is, is because I don't think that she has, I, I do think at this point she does have Katie's interest in mind. And also she's so violently capable. Uh, she gets attacked by two dudes at the same time. Um, and then at one point when the guy's lying down, dribbles his head off the, off the <laughs> yeah. asphalt, like literally bounces his head like a basketball into, <laughs> into the road. And it's insane to watch. That's my uh, moment of the week. Yep. I'm going to have to go back and watch that is what I'm going to have to do. Uh, if you want to join me at Sundays on Epics is for the new ones. Um, that's all the time we have, and that's all the shows we watched. Coming up next, we're going to talk about X-Men. <laughs> 
Welcome to Eggs Tasmania, bitch. A mini show within a show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at Fox's seminal and underrated early morning soap opera from the mid-90s, X-Men the Animated Series. On the ninth episode of X-Men the Animated Series, the X-Men discovered that there might be a cure on Muir Island. Rogue who can't stop staring at people holding hands decides she's gonna get go get it. Unfortunately, it's not a cure, but a slave-making machine. Headed up by Apocalypse, who hired Mystique to help. Who hired Pyro and Avalanche to help. And across all these countries, Cable is running around, screaming and shooting. Taste buds, when the episode starts, Warren Worthington III is relaxing in front of a fire with a babe. And uh, it's the most dramatic thing I've ever seen. Did you say dramatic or traumatic? Uh, dramatic. That was, like, that episode alone, the first, like, minute is, like, a full episode of a telenovela. Yeah, it's pure soap opera, for sure. He's just this rich, blonde guy who's just, like, I don't even know what they're talking about, but it's definitely they're trying to decide what part of the fire to fuck in front of. (laughs) Uh, I know what part of the fire to fuck in front of. His goddamn eyes. The fire in his eyes is what I would like to have sex in front of. (laughs) I think it's so bold for especially a kid's cartoon to have a long opening with two characters we don't know at all. It's mm-hmm. crazy how yeah, much time is spent with these two adults at a ski chalet. A chalet. <laughs> a very adult moment. And then, like, it goes on for a while. We get a lot of drama between them. And then Cable comes in. Yeah, I think just... the only way to handle a moment that long for kids' cartoons, like, oh, shit, this went on too long. Send in Cable. We got to send, send in Cable as hard as we can. <laughs> Who? What, what, again, Bolt, is we haven't seen him in two episodes. Within Kid Days... Kid years, I assume we're never going to see him again. He showed up mm-hmm. uh, on Genosha and never again. But he's back, baby. The what? wild man of Borneo. <laughs> <laughs> and they did give us in the recap that he did tell him to throw the wages in the faces and like yeah. rise up or whatever. Still just the best quote of any time. But he uh, said rise up instead of seeing rise up, which was weird. Was. Yeah, he should have said rise up, Eliza. My name's Scott. <laughs> Or Nathan Dashkani, whatever his fucking name is. Yeah. But uh, while Cable's there, you know, they get in a big scuffle. The chick ends up shooting this dude who we don't know, but is a mutant. We find out because he uh, flies off. And then Warren. Yeah, she she shoots at him and then screams, I didn't mean to, yeah. <laughs> after she aimed a gun and shot at him. She shoots him right in the butt. But I got to point out that before he, uh, he gets shot by her, uh, he gets pushed off the balcony and falls directly into the snow like this creating a snow angel oh. it was an a- it was an angel angel that's what we got do, to see uh caitlin and cassie do you guys know who warren worthington the third is no. are you hip to the character angel at all he so he's one of the original five x-men so if you're a super nerd uh this was pretty exciting and okay. i would say i would say mike that cassie should calm down despite the fact that apocalypse was in this episode Angel will always stay Angel and never change from his current way that he is right now. No, he will. He will always be Angel, just a blonde hair, blue eyed, yeah. rich boy, white winged, rich boy. Great, looking forward to that. Uh, but in between all this drama, we do get we see that Professor X. We then go to Mirror Island and see that that's where Professor X went, and that's the meaning of his cryptic message that he left is that he was checking in with a scientist who can maybe take away powers. Yeah, so we Dr. Adler, who that's who we find out Cable's hunting, that Warren is like giving money, but Dr. Adler is using part of Moira McTaggart's lab. There's a lot of like bureaucracy drama going on because he's using her lab and facilities, but refuses to let her inside what he's working on. That's inc- that's bananas. <laughs> I'm a yeah. kid. I'm a kid. It's Saturday morning. 
I'm going to sit down, turn on the TV, pour a bowl of cereal, and I want lab bureaucracy. This is what I want to hear more about. He's like, I know you gave me one of your labs, but hell no, you won't come in here. And Moira on Muir, was that confusing? Yeah. Did you guys see the deleted scene where before the slave machine, she was making reflective glass for Russian satellites? No. No. You didn't see Moira's mirror, Muir on Muir? (laughs) Oh, man. Sadly, I have to move on. And then, because we got to get to our main X Men crew who are now back at the mansion seeing it destroyed and trying to fix it up. And we get a whole bunch of drama just with them. Because, of course, every time they come together to build, there's going to be drama. Mike, you and I I are. You and I famously love softball episodes of X Men, right? Yes. Comics? Could yes. we have not used 22 minutes of just them fucking with each other and pushing themselves to the brink of killing <laughs> each other by rebuilding this? I would watch Wolverine's Tool Time. He's such yeah. a mansplaining. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. He just keeps cutting off. People are doing their jobs very competently. And he's just like, nope, you stir the concrete this way. And then tells Gambit he's not good at it because all he knows how to do is pickpocket or steal candy from babies. <laughs> At one point, Jubilee's like building a barbecue, and Wolverine's like, I'll do it. And she's like, oh, no, I have instructions. And he's like, do these claws have instructions? And just go at, goes after as hard as he can. Man, they fucking have- fuck Wolverine. Yeah, he's an yeah. asshole. At a certain point, openly, he calls out how into Scott Rogue is. He's just like, stop staring at them holding hands. You're being a perv. That's really projection, man, because he yeah. openly has been trying to break up Gene and Scott forever. Uh in this, we do get, so there's a whole scuffle, Rogue puts Gambit in this little cage thing. It's like the top of the building that has many openings that he could still throw cards through, but he seems to calm down once he's in this cage thing, because that makes sense. But then- The calming cage. The calming cage. Um, and then Jubilee comes in to break up all tension because she has a message from Professor Xavier. Well, does not come in to break it up. She comes in saying, hey guys, somebody wants to talk to you. Has no idea that all of the people that she knows are trying to kill each She does not even <laughs> notice. Yeah. 14-year-olds are very self-absorbed. They don't know how to read a room. So they all see the message. And at this point, you know, Wolverine is not against taking away the power. He's like, no deserters here. But of course we oh, have yeah. Rogue, who has the worst power. And she's she's a bit interested. Yeah, they're, they're like, oh, some mutants might, to cho- might, might choose. So maybe it's a good thing. And yeah, Wolverine really lays it on the line because uh, healing is the best power. Why would you give it up? But when your other power is, I can't touch human beings ever, so my mm-hmm. power is loneliness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe you'd want to give it away. Yeah. <laughs> also does not know how to read a room. So we get Rogue, who then goes to like, I don't know if at first she was just trying to get some space to herself and the Gambit didn't allow it, or if her plan was instantly to, to go to Mirror Island. But we do get a terrible scene between her and fucking Gambit. Mm-hmm. Is it when he jumps in her car as she's trying to drive away and he's just like, let's just fool around a bit. And she's like, yeah. do you, how many times do I have to tell you what my powers are? <laughs> <laughs> this fucker's straight up like, maybe a death kiss would be worth it, no? And you're like, what the fuck, bro? I don't know why you exist. There's so many characters, I don't know why they're here. And he's he's one of them, for sure. Uh, but of- after watching Mother Woman and particularly Barbara, just fucking fuck that, that fat guy up who, I, I, I'm going to say has a drinking problem. That guy from mm-hmm. uh, WW84, yeah. like, um, and how like awesome that was to watch that guy. Hey, Rogue, all these and like once she gets to Mirror Island, just to cut ahead a little bit, it's just everybody's like, "Hey, baby, nice butt. Want to touch my wiener?" Uh, 
hey, Rogue, yeah. touch touch these dudes. Like I know that but you not on the wiener. I, I know that you can't <laughs> touch people you love, but you can definitely touch the people you hate and just fucking decimate them. Like uh. f- fuck these guys up. Well, she does. It's fine to jump ahead. When she meets Pyro and Avalanche, and they're both, you know, wearing ridiculous costumes, so you know they're bad guys, she does throw them through a wall. And then when Adler says you can't come in, she just breaks open the door. At this point, she's like, she's letting out a lot of her frustrations at Gambit and Wolverine against across the world. She's now unloading on anybody else she meets. Mm hmm. And since we're we're at Mirror Island, we do see we get to see all these characters. And these two guys, we mentioned them, Pyro and Avalanche. It, they're trying to wait and look for. They're working for Mystique, is who they know. But then mm-hmm. we see Mystique is Doctor Adler. So there's a bunch of little cons going on on Mirror Island. It's so weird not not to tell your hirelings yeah. <laughs> what, what their what their job is and what they're doing, like. Also, when they're that dumb, like, I want to know how many people they approached in the pub and were like, this might be her. Let's tell her our whole plan. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I don't know what she looks like. She could be anybody. Or fucking Mystique, you zip recruiter or something. Like, how, <laughs> how are you hiring your people? Like, oh, you have the dumbest names I've ever heard. You're hired. <laughs> Do you guys know what Avalanche's powers are? Like, quick. But like, at, at one point, he, he shoots like a ray at a machine and then it shakes and comes down. Mm-hmm. But there's another point where like he's in danger next to a cliff or like at the bottom of a cliff. Avalanche, bro, this feels like your time. Like make something happen right now, right? Yeah, one one of the few things X Men Evolution does better than this original series is they really work on Avalanche then and make him a better character and better powers because there he just constantly it constantly is having the ground swallow buildings. They do. This have, guy doesn't do that. He doesn't do much except like scream is pretty much all he does. But they do have the genius plan of, um, so they keep running into people, Cable, all the people are at this island and everybody wants to get to Dr. Adler. So these two con men decide that they are going to kidnap Dr. Adler, who once they do kidnap her, they find out is Mystique. Yeah, uh, I do like that Cable uh, fully leaves Pyro to drown. He hits him with a stun gun and he's like drowning in the ocean and all Cable says is, don't call me darling before he turns around yes. and go on Dr. Adler back. <laughs> Also, uh, when Avalanche finds Cable, or I'm sorry, when Avalanche finds Pyro, he says, uh, what'd you do, fall in? Which I would like to bring up real quick. This is a classic joke for older men to say to people who they feel spent too much time in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> what did you do, fall in? And I love a good joke who, when somebody is probably embarrassed that they have a, they've got a bit of a tum-tum ache, and they they remove themselves from the social situation for too long for some fucking usually fat usually white person to scream at the top of their lungs and interrupt every other conversation hey what did you fall in because i noticed that you you took a really long time taking a hot shit which is messed up especially because nobody takes longer in the toilet than old white men (laughs) (laughs) it's self-projecting it's the wolverine technique for sure yes they're wolverining all over the place (laughs) At the so at the end we do get a very good X Men battle scene where just everybody's there. We got Cable, we got Jean, uh, Cyclops, and then Rogue. It's literally everybody in this final stand-off. fighting everybody. There's no yeah. clear side. <laughs> <laughs> nobody has a side. It's just it's just a battle on top of a cliff. They they nobody knows who's doing what or why, and they're fully fighting to kill. Cyclops shoots Cable off a cliff. People die from that. He does not give a shit. <laughs> And he's our hero. He's our good guy. Yeah, I, I would not say that this was like the best cable I've seen. I would say that this is more a basic cable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I mean, that is essentially, so we get this whole fight scene. 
they like they end up like Rogue fixes up the machine at the end. They just all become buds essentially. Oh no, we do get to see Rogue cry for saving. She gets to save because Jean falls off the cliff. They right. had to make she sure she saves we did. more than that. She saves the love of Jean and, and Cyclops. Yeah. Right. And that's that's what she realizes. She she doesn't want the cure. So she helps. She's like other mutants can, but like I am my powers and the good they can do in the world, I think is a exact quote. But that's pretty you know, maybe Rogue is a complicated character, you guys. Caitlin, what the <laughs> fuck? Caitlin, did you watch this episode? I did. What the fuck? Jump in here then. <laughs> oh, she's going to get her chance because it's time to go for awards. So, Caitlin, I'm actually going to start with you. I want to, who do you have for MVP? For MVP, I'm going to do the guy that's in like every single scene and all of a sudden just pops up everywhere. It's going to be Cable. Um, he like all of a sudden is in the scene and his eye just sparks up a little bit and it's like, oh, Cable's here. He's about to fuck shit up. Who knows what side he's on? But um, I do like Cable in this. He he's they, uh, they he's tried to put everyone. they tried to put that fire in Warren Worthington the Third's eyes in the beginning, but nobody mm-hmm. has the fire in their eyes like motherfucking Cable. Motherfucking cable. He was doing a lot, but he was also very confused throughout this one. So uh, everyone was confused. There was even a guy who said he was confused. Valid point. Valid point. All right, Ryan. Well, who do you got for MVP? Oh, it's Cable, and uh, for all the reasons that Caitlin okay. said. But there's one important reason. Uh, he throws. He takes a dildo out of his belt, out of one of his mini pouches. <laughs> uh, throws it right at Rogue's head, and then says plasma grenade. And then spits the pin of the grenade right at the doctor's head after, (laughs) for no reason. The guy is already on his knees, like he's already a hostage, and then spits the pin of the grenade to, it's it's fucking Cable. Mm. That that moment was fantastic. Uh, Mike, who do you got for this? I think it's Rogue. I think this is a stand-up Rogue episode, and everything she wants done, she gets done in the episode. Like, she drives it, everybody else is reacting to her the whole time. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. I I put Rogue as well, and it's just because she threw every single creepy man she ran into. She threw Gambit. <laughs> yeah. She threw Pyro. I was just so proud of her. For Her solution is literally throwing men, and I think she deserves that. So, Mike, I'm going to give that point to you. All right. Our next award is LVP. Ryan, what do you have for this? Uh, I've got Angel, who is a Ross Geller level weak man. Uh, he, <laughs> he, he gets a he gets a tiny little uh, shot from a laser gun right in the uh, beginning, and then just flies away as fast as he fucking can. And then also the next time we see him, he is wearing a full on Angel costume, not part of the X Men. Uh, <laughs> like superheroes wear superhero costumes, he is not one. He just has that. He has his own angel Well, when you costume. got wings, you're going to have a little halo t- shirt. Yeah, with a little fucking halo logo in the middle. Uh, what a ridiculous person. He does. And the next time we saw him, it was just like, I came to warn you about stuff, and I see it already happened. Like, there was yeah. never, he was never needed at any point. Also, uh, a bit of a uncle, uh, a bit of like an uncle, where like he is clearly going against his own kind, right? Yes. For sure. Uh, Caitlin, who do you got for LVP? Uh, well, uh, I have Cyclops, uh, mainly because he, I feel like as a friend of Rogue and like someone who could see the situation going on, he's not at all helping Rogue at all, um, not toning down with Gene and stuff like that, and just being overall dumb boy. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Cyclops. At one point, Rogue's like, I, I'm so lonely. I just wish I could touch a human to Cyclops, and Cyclops is just like, Team teamwork, ah, uh, teamwork, <laughs> and then runs out of the room. That's better than when he was like, "Yep, it rules," and goes to high fiver. <laughs> Strong dumb boy energy out of that one. Uh, Mike, what do you got for LVP? 
uh, Apocalypse because so he's the big bad. He doesn't help Mystique at all. He's just always like behind it. And when people ask him like why he wants to kill the world, he says, "I know more about this world than you've ever dreamed, and that's why I must destroy it." Not a good reason. What does that even mean? It's fucking gibberish. <laughs> and Mystique's like, "Oh, you do tell me," and he's like, "No, no, I'm I w- busy. I will not." <laughs> It's a good villain move, though. You know, you get, you never s- tell your full story. Uh, for LVP, I do have Wolverine for just walking around and giving everybody unwanted building tips because he just had to be that guy. That guy gets under my skin. Have you ever um, barbecued around a white guy? Like, <laughs> God damn it, Wolverine. Shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> we are all fine. We know what we're doing. Uh, Ryan, I am going to give that one to you, though. Our next award is going to be Best Use of Power. Mike, what do you got for this? Uh, there can be no better. Ryan referenced in the beginning of the segment. There's nothing better than Angel falling the snow, and before he gets back up to fight, making a little snow angel. Uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> nobody's used the power better than that. Is <laughs> very good, Ryan. What do you got for this? I loved Rogue's ability to fly, uh, but I'm tired, so I'm going to sit on a wing. A nice <laughs> Twilight Zone reference. Did you guys see that? Um, <laughs> and then also when Pyro is shooting at me, I'm going to fly around and be able to perfectly dodge it and i think it worked for me this week especially after watching wonder woman who was told real quick by a drunk fucking pilot from the 40s to just uh, be the wind be the air and then wonder <laughs> woman learned how to fly i feel like that rogue has got it down and diana may not why did diana sometimes fly and sometimes rip off spider-man and swing from lightning bolt to lightning? yeah <laughs> well she didn't she didn't have that power then you know I don't know. I have no explanation for this. Caitlin, what do you have for best use of power? Uh, For best use of power, at the beginning, we had everyone rebuilding the mansion, and we got some good uses of power here, including Storm, you know, helping make cement with some precipitation, I believe. Um, This was a clinic. (laughs) This was what? This was a clinic. This was just Wolverine walking around being like, fuck, I fucking suck because all of you guys have awesome powers. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, one of these awesome powers was Jean Grey being able to nail like 15 nails at one time. I think that was the best use of power in this, just the nail power. It was the best flex to Wolverine as he was like, do you know how to put in a nail? And she's like, I think I got it. Like, put bitch, it like I got 20. Sheet. Yeah, it was the best flex. Uh, for best use of power, I have Pyro for setting a chair on fire to introduce himself. Because <laughs> Fuck, <dude>. why not? <laughs> If you've ever if you've ever been to bars in uh, most Orange County cities, this is basically what dudes do when they talk to a girl. <laughs> you want to know about me? I have fire, and you know what? I'm gonna give that point to me. All right, our next award is best gasp line. Caitlin, what do you have for this? Uh, I have it when Rogue was just chilling on the wing of the plane, and then the uh, there was a passenger inside the plane that like gasps, and then she uh, goes away when he calls a flight attendant over, and then uh, she's gone. So this guy looks like he's crazy, and uh, I did like that. It was uh, funny, and also the guy did gasp, her, but her silent laughing, yeah, like we couldn't oh, yeah, hear yeah. her, but like she put her hand to her face, is like he he he, this guy is an idiot. Yeah, straight up got laughed at. Uh, Ryan, what do you got for best gas blind? Uh, who's behind the door, Cassie? It's always who's behind the door. At one point, we think it's Dr. Adler. It turns out to be Mystique. Uh, shuts the door, and it's fucking Apocalypse for no reason just standing there. <laughs> like, like It's like she went out and bought that 12-foot skeleton from Home Depot that everybody had for <laughs> Halloween decoration. <laughs> but it's Apocalypse. I gasped. Everyone gasped. <laughs> It was a very shocking moment. Mike, what do you got? 
Uh, it's when Wolverine, to hide the fact that he's been embarrassed by everybody when he's trying to mansplain how to construct, he just calls out Rogue's crush openly, which you do not do in a group of friends. Then so that made me gasp. Yeah. He's there for the drama 100%. Uh, for best gasp line, I do have in that similar moment Rogue calling Wolverine a fathead because I've never seen a grown adult use like a child's insult so seriously. Like it was followed up with like "You big fathead, let me punch you in the face," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I had a gasp because I changed my life. Um, but Mike, I am going to give that to you. Yes. And our final award is going to be most '90s thing. Ryan, what do you have for this? You know what? I don't think we've talked about this yet. I didn't see something that was like overbearingly 90s from this episode but what i did notice is rogue's jacket it does not cover most of her body it's like it clearly cuts off at the halfway point on purpose it's brown it's leather it's 90s as fuck i think this is this jacket is the 90s version of the 80s members only jacket like Mm -hmm. what why and you don't need it like you have a costume clearly somebody some six-year-old dude thought you would look cool if you wore this in the nineties, and so I'm going to draw it on you. I'm I'm doing Rose Jacket. Yeah. It is very nineties. Uh Caitlin, what do you got for this? Um, I have I have just Pyro in general. Like everything about him. He reminds me, you know that that one Christmas movie with the the heat miser in it? Oh he yeah. reminds me of just a heat miser type dude. And I know that's way past the nineties, but I feel like they were like, let's get nostalgic. And um they designed a fucking comic book character after him and he looked very nineties. My favorite thing about Pyro was that he, in his, like, his civvy clothes are just him in his, like, tight suit. And then when he goes on a mission, it's just a mask. Like, everybody knows yeah. who you are. Like, you are still out in public in your gear. He's still bright orange and yellow. Yeah. <laughs> also, conti- pads continu- on his arms, too. Mm-hmm. Continuing X has this whole thing about eyebrows. Pyro had some eyebrows to go up there with Magneto and Professor X. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, Mike, what do you got for this? Uh, the, the 90s is when I felt like society started to know we should be sensitive or politically correct. And there's a sentence here when they find out about the Woo, cure. Doggy. Uh, Cyclops says, being a mutant isn't a disease. It's as normal as being a traditional homo sapien. And that really feels like I'm trying, but I'm somehow saying something more insulting. <laughs> and the phrase traditional homo sapien feels very 90s. There's a, cu- <laughs> there's a couple of things, though, here. Uh, Professor X says, uh, it's not a disease. You're born with it. You are definitely born with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of diseases, including Maybelline, and then also uh, Rogue saying, um, uh, talking about like that Yankee captain, you know, like that disgusting Yankee general. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So Rogue is just straight up Confederate, right? Like, <laughs> yes, she yeah. has a tattoo of a Confederate flag on her. Oh, for sure. Uh, most nineties thing for me, I love all the cliffside like monologues and stuff, which there was a lot in this one. But the one that I really liked was when Rogue had a flashback to like the first guy she murdered, and we just Cody. got like overlay of Cody. Yeah, Cody. she like was like Cody, and then you get like e e e as it goes to the next scene. <laughs> Absolutely love that. But Caitlin, I think you know what Pyro. I'm gonna give you three points for bringing Pyro to that. What? And with that, would you look at it, guys? Guys, Caitlin came here for the first time. Do you want to know who won this whole thing with three points right at the end? Can it's you guess? Because it just happened. It was Caitlin. Riggedy, 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 rigged. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Mike and Ryan, you guys, you know, you're down there. So, Caitlin, thank you for coming on here and destroying these guys at this. That was fantastic. That's what I always do. I know. And uh, we're just going to end this on a high right now because that's all the time we have to talk about this. Uh, so, Mike, you didn't win this, what? but can you tell me about some websites? 
Go to yourpopfilter.com to get everything we put out. If you are late on your holiday gifts, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Bookmark that. That's how you use Amazon now. If you want more content, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Here are all kinds of bonus things, including this week, the gifts we all got each other. Uh, and if you need help making a website, if you want those easy to edit fields, if you want custom templates, if you want drag and drop tools, go to cybersprout.net. That's right. And Caitlin, can you tell me about one other show? Any show you'd like to recommend? I think that you should promote one, but let's see what you throw out here. Shoot. Oh, one show. Uh, how about movie of the year? That was a very good one that we did take over uh, just last week. Um, maybe that's a really good show that talks about movies of any given year. <laughs> I don't know about any other podcasts or shows. Yeah, it is. Do listen to movie of the year. Ryan, can you think of any other ones that maybe Caitlin should have promoted there? I can, yes. Please, if you're listening to the Superhero Show Show, please make sure that you do subscribe, <laughs> you rate and review it. That helps us out a lot. Um, also, Mike and I have a show called Movie of the Year, usually. <laughs> usually we have that show. But unfortunately, last week, we lost the rights to the title for one week, and mm-hmm. people took over, and so I guess do that. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review to Movie of the Year if you only like last week's episode of Movie of the Year, and you hated every other episode, then uh, search for Unnatural 20s on your podcatcher of choice. Rate, review, and subscribe to that, and then you'll get more of Cassie and Caitlin and less of me and Mike. No, actually, it's Cassie, Caitlin, and me and Mike running into each other so hard we become a Voltron called Books. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, can you tell us about social media? At your pop filter on Twitter, on Instagram. You know how those platforms work. You also know how email works. We got one of those. It's contact at your pop filter. Go ahead and email anything you like. If you like Squirrel Girl, yeah, email that we, that is an email. Our no, you know what? We that. recently got an email all about loving Squirrel Girl. I don't know if we need that for a while. Send us <laughs> all of those. <laughs> and you know what? Next week, maybe we'll read it. We probably won't because we got a big episode. We're going to be dealing with the mid-season finale of Pennyworth. And also, Caitlin won't be here. So look forward to that. <laughs> uh, for Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Caitlin. For Caitlin, I am Mike and me and me. Bye, everyone. Bye.